Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Hello and welcome to a July 19th, Tuesday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, and I'm happy to be joined today by a guest, my buddy Dane Carbaugh, who is the host of The Rewind on YouTube. You can find his work at Blazers Edge, HP Basketball, and at various SB Nation websites. Thanks for coming on, Dane. How are you? Good, Eric. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Having me on and uh, seeing you off on your, your new endeavor here with this podcast. I'm excited. Yeah, it's been fun. I've been going for, I guess this is the third week of the podcast now. So uh, we're, we're, we're going strong, you know, we're, we're producing that content for the people every day. That's right. You can get it five <laughs> day, at least five days a week here on Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. But Dane, uh, I brought Dane here today. Dane has covered the whole league, has also covered the Blazers for a while, uh, does some great video breakdowns, some of my favorite stuff on the internet. And just wanted to talk to Dane today about the Blazers offseason and a couple of the topics that I think uh, are at the top of the minds of Blazer fans. So I guess the first thing I will address, you did a really funny video about this, uh, but I guess we well, maybe we, we can get semi-serious about it as well. Is Uh-oh. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> you, you did a funny video. Uh, you know, you did a video about Evan Turner for Blazer's Edge the other day. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious. I guess my first question is, what did you think – what was your first reaction when you saw the Blazers were signing Evan Turner? I think my first reaction was the same reaction basically everybody had, which is who and and why. You know, it's it's it kind of came out of left field, and and we've we've been on Neil Shea praising him for picking up people like Ed Davis and Alfred Camino in past, and uh, you know sticking out sticking it out with his draft picks, Myers Leonard and CJ McCollum. But um, Evan Turner is about as left field as you can get, especially for the cost of a four-year and seventy million dollar deal. So I was I was I was pretty taken aback, especially since it seems that um, just given how early it was, it was only a couple days into free agency um, that it didn't meet the number one need of the Trailblazers this off season. But getting where you fit in, I think that's uh, Neil O'Shea's sort of mantra, and you know, be smart. And so hopefully he sees something that maybe isn't apparent to everybody when we're just sitting on Twitter watching it, um, you know, get filtered into our news feeds. So that was, that was my first reaction. Surprise. Yeah, they, they went after Chandler Parsons first, and then they, they signed Evan Turner pretty soon after that. And the Blazers, at least publicly, seemed very excited about it. You know, yeah. Olshay, Stotts have all really supported it. But uh, I guess what... Maybe from what you've seen, what, what kind of stuff I, – I know you said who is this, whatever, but, I mean, what kind of stuff do you think he brings to the table 
that actually helps the team. I, I, I've been pretty hard on Evan Turner, and then I had Corbin Smith on, and we were both really hard on Evan Turner. But, you know, maybe maybe, there, <laughs> maybe there's some other stuff to, that he brings to the table that, you know, uh, that maybe some of us are missing. I think there are two things at play. One is that Olshay seems to have done a lot of work, obviously over the course of the season, taking a look at how the team performed and um, knowing what they can get and what they need moving forward. And I think that Turner does bring some flexibility. I think a huge uh, portion to our reaction is maybe the uh, is is the money. You know, it's not necessarily that he shouldn't get paid that much, you know, with the new uh, cap coming into play. Obviously, everybody's salaries are inflating, but it's more about typically that amount of money uh, maintains that you're a starter, maintains that you're a star, maintains that you're a crucial, critical piece of a roster. And I'm not so sure that Neil O'Shea, looking at the new landscape in the next four years moving forward with this team, with Damian's peak, with CJ's start of his peak, um, I'm not so sure he sees it that way. That's the thing I don't think anybody is really talking about is – I think Olshay sees it as value. He knows that he has Paul Allen, one of the richest owners in the league, who doesn't really care about money. We've seen that for 20 years here in Oregon, and I think that's that's a crucial part of it. And the other thing is that, so in terms of what he brings there, if, if money's not necessarily an option and you're not necessarily seeing this $70 million contract as being crucial to saying these things about you know these three things about this player he's a star he's a starter he's these he's critical to the to the team to the roster to the future that you can make that move and say okay well just on paper then in a complete vacuum or a a good vacuum as you can get in a league what does he bring to the table and if he's bringing that versatility i think if they're they were confident clearly that alan crab or somebody else could replace that shooting that they have that that shooting need that they have on the wing especially with Aminu moving down to the four, which is what Olshay talked about in Evan Turner's um, press conference. And if that's the case, then he does bring diversity in ball handling. He gives Damien and CJ a freaking rest for once, possibly, hopefully. I mean, Damien has been so, especially after Damien, you know, people don't forget that Damien broke his foot in college, you know? And he's played, I don't know, about... 11 billion minutes in the NBA in his first, you know, four seasons. It's just ridiculous. So I, I think giving those guys a rest is, is a big uh, thing, making sure you have some diversity on the wing, um, and knowing that moving forward, if you can't get those big guys, you can't get those sort of, you know, big heavies. You, 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 could, you couldn't grab Al Horford. You couldn't trade for, or you don't want to trade for Marcus Cousins. You don't want to have Al, uh, uh, Dwight Howard on your roster. Um, Okay, well, those are the main things that you sort of have a, a typical team-building scenario. And if that's not the case, then how are we going to make four good rotations that are going to play more than 150 minutes together or 120 minutes together this upcoming season? That's, that's going to be the non-traditional way to put together a team, and I think that's where Olshay is going with Evan Turner. Yeah, no, that's a, you make a great point, and I think you, you've made it before too, is that you know, the Blazers are not constructed in a traditional fashion. And they're, you know they're built around two guys that are scoring guards that can both play point guard that are both pick and roll guys that most most teams don't have that on their team and so and they obviously had weaknesses in the middle which they were able to address we'll get to that later but it seems like their mm-hmm. their approach was let's just get as deep as we possibly can on the wing. 
And mm-hmm. they obviously are moving Aminu to the four. So they're they're going to like a smaller style of basketball. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I know what my answer is. Do you think that's a kind of a style that you think that that is going to be more advantageous to them moving forward next year? Yeah, I think so. One, because they have a little bit of uh, numbers to back it for Aminio playing the four. I'm not sure if, you know, obviously Terry Stotts is wary of Olshay giving him a specific win projection. But, um, yeah, that was funny. You know, we've seen, it, uh, uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, a great, uh, uh, you know, always good to cull your, your boss's ex- expectations of you and then over deliver. Terry, Terry Stotts just teaching the master, you know. Uh, but I think. If you if you take a look at Dallas, Dallas has been a team that has a similar system. Obviously, as Portland Terry Stotts coming from that coaching tree a little bit, and or sorry, not coming from that coaching tree, but having coached with uh, Rick Carlisle, um, and that's a team that typically has struggled to find a center. Right? They have a star. Yes, they had a star power forward, and then they have sort of depth at the wing in in odd places. It's it's Vince Carter resurrecting his career. It's or not Vince Carter. Um, you know, well, he it's, did. It's 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 JJ Barea. Okay, yeah, yeah. So did he did it in Dallas? Okay, that's right. That's correct. Um, but uh, no, did he? Yeah, he did. No, Vince. Vince remember, okay. he had, he had, Why he had the I... game winner in the playoffs. Yeah. What What am I? Th- Man, I've my brain farted. The 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 off season has been rough. At one point in time, I thought that Evan Turner was left handed. I'm not even sure where I'm going. You know. Right. Uh, but um, you know, you have JJ Bray as, as an as an all time maverick. Apparently, you have all these weird things that they build. They literally built a championship team in order to contend with that. So I think if you have that system, you obviously know it can adapt to weirdness, essentially rotational weirdness, non traditional lineups. And yeah, I think it's it's a benefit to them. And I think Terry Stotts has proven. Not only with uh, the performance, but also with his his extension, his new contract, that he's worthy of, of, of writing it out and seeing where they're going, and um, and I think it, it's it's tough because it reminds me of you remember when uh, um, Stan Van Gundy was talking about maybe Reggie Jackson or somebody like two off seasons ago, and he was basically talking to reporters about you know oh you you guys you know media and slash maybe fans say that uh, this guy isn't worth it that m- amount of money. And he's saying, but at the end of the day, you have to put together a basketball team that sort of, you know, when push comes to shove, maybe money doesn't matter when you think you can get this kind of production out of a player or whatever it is. And that is the reality for roster building in the NBA. And if Evan Turner, if they think Evan Turner is going to help them um, have a lot of diversity on the wing, that's the route they're going to go. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, we think of team building and a lot of us, especially in the, you know, even you, you know smart you, people that I consider very very smart that I look to about team building and, and looking at the cap and stuff like that. You can't look at the cap sheet and things like that just in purely numbers based. And I yeah I'm guilty of that too. And mm-hmm. it's yeah you got to build a team and it's obviously very evident that they at least this year <clears throat> excuse me that they don't care about uh, like paying the luxury tax or anything like that. They they really don't. Uh, it's not doesn't seem like it's a concern, and that that that's something with the Blazers this year in particular. I, I think I the he'll, they'll never say it, but I do I do think that you know Paul gave the green light. Paul Allen gave the green light to spend some money this summer. You know, like I think I think I yeah yeah you know I I think that that's that's pretty evident by the way that they're spending. 
they obviously still haven't brought Mo Harkless back, but I, I, I just think that, mm. you know, they want to bring as many people back as possible. One question I have, and I've gotten a lot of different answers I, I've, when I've, you know, said my opinion on Twitter about this, that I think Alan Crabb should start. Do you think Alan Crabb is going to be the starting uh, small forward? Because obviously, you know, we talked about how money doesn't really matter, and I could definitely see a scenario in which Turner starts. But do you, do you think Crabb ultimately starts? Mm-hmm. I feel like there there are a lot of answers to that, right? Because maybe situationally, you look at it and you say, you don't need Alan Crabb to start because then you have three shooters on the team. But then it's like, okay, but who are you starting down low? And if, if you're not starting Myers, then maybe it's some sort of not two non-shooting big men, so it's Aminu and Plumlee. So then you do have to have Alan Crabb there. I think the real answer is lies with, if we're just straight up predicting yes or no, is Alan Crabb going to start? I would say Crabb is... They brought Evan Turner in to be probably the starter, but I think it makes sense at some point in time that we will see Alan Crabb start 30 games or something, or maybe more, just because I, I don't see a situation where if, if Turner's going to be um, one of the backup ball handlers, he can't play all of the minutes with Damien and CJ, I don't think, because then, then, then he's just getting tired. So, you know, it's probably a situation where he does sort of the, the opposite of Mason Plumlee or what he does that Alan Crabb did last year, which is Alan Crabb came off the bench but played more minutes than Mason Plumlee. So maybe it's something like that. I, I guess in my brain, I don't understand. I don't know what the rotation is going to be yet, mostly because the front court is so sort of wishy-washy. Um, so I would guess just on paper that it makes more sense to Evan Turner to come is the first sub off the bench. CJ slides over to point. He moves into two. Dame comes sits down. So instead of – so maybe that's the first substitution. I don't know. So Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I, I don't know. I, <clears throat> I think it makes more sense for Turner to come off the bench just because, like you said, he's a ball handler and you can't – it seems like kind of a waste of his best talents to, to not to, – to start him with CJ and Dame. Um and, I think, yeah, which is, I think you get caught in the same situation as you had last right, year with Aminu, you, just, then. Mm. you know, a, a non-shooting three, and then you have Aminu starting at the four, or non-shooting four. Yeah, so, and team and teams can you know, just guard. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that Harkless started, and they had a lot of success with those lineups, but Harkless was a really good offensive rebounder, and I don't think that at least I looked at Turner's numbers from last year, and he's not a particularly good offensive rebounder. So I don't know mm. where he really complements CJ and Dame super well. Uh, other, other than other than coming off the bench and allowing them to rest a little bit more, um, and you talked about the big man situation being super wishy washy. So let's just go into that right now, which is another thing I wanted to talk about. Festus Azili was brought in, and Festus was brought in for a a, val, a pretty val, you know a value contract. You know he's not even getting any money guaranteed next year. Really, I think it's like you know a very small amount of money, and. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and so <laughs> in NBA terms and uh, and and Azili yeah, yeah. was brought in and he obviously has great rim protection numbers. He has that warrior, the scent of the warriors on him, even though he had a bad finals. But I think a lot of people are looking at Azili. I think I think the consensus is that Myers is going to come off the bench. And and just to give them some offense because they don't really I don't think they really need a ton of offense with Dame CJ on the court at all times mo- at least most of the time, so I think it comes down to mm-hmm. Azili or or Plumley I guess as to who's going to start and I I'm, I'm curious um, wh- how you think that situation is going to play out and then 
you know, could you see them moving any of these big guys? Because it feels like there's just not enough minutes to go around. Yeah, I think to answer the first question, it would make more sense to me that Mason Plumlee is in the same position he was in last season and that with Turner both as a uh, – if Turner is going to be the bench player, then Plumlee's passing becomes more – uh, difficult to defend, I think, when he moves up to the high post. So I think he stays with that first unit if Crab is another shooter. And then and then it gets real complex after that. Not to mention, I think there's going to be a lot of situational and game-by-game and matchup type uh, rotational changes for Portland. So um, that's the answer to the first question. The second question is exact ex- actually what my video for Blazer's Edge uh, this week is, is, is about. So I won't spoil the entire thing, but the answer is... Not dissimilar from the things you may have heard before, but that's that I think the Blazers have to wait and see how it goes. Because of all of the front court players, none of them are complete. They're either partially developed or they're specialty players or they have huge gaps on one side of the ball, right? You have a couple non shooting bigs, you have a, a big that can't, you have a couple of bigs that can't defend anybody, you have, uh, you know, a couple of really good offensive bigs in terms of shooting or passing. Um, so you have, there's a lot of, you know, multi-dimensionality there but also a lot of gaps and if they could make a trade to lump those well what they want is typically or i think what fans have been wanting is a player that does all of those things in one human being right and then they have his backup that comes in to spell him but if the if the blazers could have traded ed davis and mason Plumlee in a first round pick for a player like like a marcus all like which is who you're, everybody's thinking of you know that type of guy they would have done it already. If that existed, they would have done it already. Or they would have been able to sign Horford, you know. But if it's people that don't fit in, you know, when, when Howard when Howard and uh, Whiteside are the only two guys available that are sort of, I guess, productive on both sides of the ball, and Olshay clearly doesn't think that they fit in culturally, you know, you have to make do with what you have. And last season was an excellent reminder of a team – looking on paper, like, what are they going to do with this? Like, they, this has got to change somehow, and then being extremely good. So they have a lot of players that they know are good this year, and they know have talent this year. And so finding them rotationally, I think, is obviously Terry Stotts' job. It's a projection of the front office that they're going to be good together, and they're going to be able to find a way for them to mesh. So do I see a trade immediately right now? No, it's summer. They have to see how they play together. Um, and the fact, function of that is teams, other teams are in the same position. Maybe they got somebody new and, and they're like, oh, we think it's going to work. And then come February, they're like, no, this, this doesn't work. Somebody becomes available at a lower price. And then you can make that swap for some front court players and a, and a backcourt player, whoever it is. So, um, no, I, I don't, I don't know who they fit in. That's the problem is that the problem with saying that they, <laughs> they don't have a trade to, to make at the moment is that it's also extremely curious about how all those players fit in together. Um, but it is uh, a mystery that will make the Blazers incredibly interesting to watch this season for sure. Yeah, uh, I, I I definitely think that the the rotation and how who starts and the, I mean the, the training camp I think is going to be more interesting than it has been in years past because I felt like you know we knew the last couple of years who was going to start who was going to come off the bench. You know, even last year when it was a team that was brand new, I think people could look at the team on paper, you know, except for those people that were saying Gerald Henderson was going to start at 
at shooting guard. I think I think right. if you had watched the Blazers, you knew that CJ was going to get that chance. And uh, I, I just I, I feel like this year there's a lot of unknowns outside of CJ and Dame. I mean, there's CJ and Dame and, and Aminu, really, but and then everybody else is just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, we have no idea where everyone's going to fit in. And I do, I do agree with you that I think there's going we're going to see a lot of situational uh, lineups. I think the fourth quarter lineups are going to change every night, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, it's funny because it, you look at the guy, the guys on contract too, and. You just saw what Miles Plumlee got, who is, I think, by most accounts, worse than his brother Mason. Uh, And Myers Leonard is the longest tenured big guy on this team. And he he has a four-year deal. And then you got Davis, who probably the most tradable guy, but he's like their only vet. So it's like a very – it's a very weird and complicated Mm -hmm. dynamic that they have – and so intrinsically valuable, you know. Like Ed, Ed Davis is. I, I think uh, Casey Holdall said this, but like, don't, don't, don't trade Ed Davis. Like, you don't trade Ed Davis unless you get that big player that you're hoping back. So it's like, so when we're talking about like, oh, is there a trade to make? It's like, well, yeah, but you know, you can't, you can't just. I, mean, I don't want to say swap deck chairs on the Titanic, but. Because we're not talking about sinking, we're obviously talking about a team on the rise. But you don't just shuffle pieces for more pieces, typically. In these no, I, I, and I think Olshay has shown that he also is is very attuned to the dynamics of a locker room and the dynamics of personalities. And mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've said this a couple times on the podcast too. I think it would be very dangerous to trade Ed Davis just because, like you've said that you know Casey said he has so much value that you just can't even measure obviously his his offensive rebounding is elite and that's like an actual skill that he possesses that a lot of guys don't have but i think his swagger his his you know he 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 has a little bit of that grizzlies in him when he was on there and you know when they when they played that <laughs> series against the clippers He's like, oh, we got him you know we're going to punk him like we're we're going to we're going to we're going to mess with them we're going to yeah. We're going to throw him around. And, and, and he was he was 100% believing in that, and the team kind of fed off of that. And I think it would also be you know dangerous to, mm-hmm. to trade him not only because of that, but they don't have any vets on the team anymore. Like he's the, he, he's the old head now. Yeah. And, and I feel like that's been, that's been a hallmark of right. the Olshay regime is that they've always had a guy who's like a quote-unquote old head who's been around the league, has, knows how to just yeah. show up to work every day and kind of be an example for young guys. And I feel like they feel like they need that. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. I think especially since uh, it's, it's that feeling can solidify in a locker room when you have guys like Damian, who's the team leader and coming to push, but just turned 26, and a guy – and you have – Earl Watson and Chris Kamen and Gerald Henderson and Ed Davis. And, you know, you have all those dudes put together. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, – I, I wonder if they'll try to add somebody. I mean, freezing season over, so I mean, maybe they'll add – they'll fill out the, the end of the bench. With, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know that they have liked Montero. In, they really liked Montero in the past. I think, I think he's more of a guy that's teetering, you know, may, may not have a chance to make the roster. Um, I think they're going to give him a chance. But uh, you know, the, you know, if they bring in a veteran or something to training camp, 
you know, that would be an interesting thing to see. I know they brought in uh, Pierre Jackson, but I don't think they're going to add a fourth point guard. That just doesn't make any sense after they got Napier. Um, no. But, uh, yeah, no, they, they still might might add a, an old head. But, I mean, if they well, if they lose Harkless, you know, that opens up another roster spot. I don't, I you know, so that, that's also potentially a possibility, even though I think, I think they bring Harkless back. Don't you? Yeah, yeah, and I heard chatter what this week about oh they they're still not any closer, which to me is always just agent agents talk, and they're pushing for one last portion of a deal, and they're actually extremely close. So, and we'll see a deal in like the next like forty eight hours after that. So, yeah, I I, I don't see a, uh, if somebody was gonna sort of try to mess with the Blazers and you'll know, kill it with some huge RFA offer for Harkless that would have happened already it's it's the end of or it's the middle of July you know it's 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 not it's not happening so it's it's more about just coming to terms about whatever his eventual contract with the Trailblazers is going to be I I would and I would highly doubt that even though Harkless had a great um playoff situation he would have to be extremely confident in his ability to get playing time like we talked about with this huge depth at wing and all this logjam up front in being able to take a qualifying offer and then turn it into more money than he would make in an extension, or not an extension, but a, uh, a contract uh, situation with the Trailblazers right now, which is not going to happen. So uh, it's more about whatever terms. They're definitely bringing him back. It's more about whatever terms he's, he's Yeah, and I think, too, if, it, you know, I guess if I'm Mo Harkless, I, I mean, everyone's talking now that there's going to be a lockout. Like, I would like to get some money locked in you know what i mean like you (laughs) owe me no matter what happens with the lockout if they go to a hard cap structure if they go to eliminating the max whatever you know all these scenarios that a lot of people are throwing around Mm -hmm. with regards to because everyone's like well durant went to the warriors so we're gonna have to change the cba again you know so that 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 can't happen and Mm -hmm. you know that that's the the all, all the chatter now and uh yeah i mean if i'm if you if there, if he really sees a lockout on the horizon then i would i would want to lock in some money which you know i i was think maybe that's what yeah no I, what I think doing. it would make a, per- a ton of sense uh <laughs> you know one guy you know I, I don't think he'll do this but one guy that would be interesting case because of that potential lockout happening would be if cj which is not what a lot of it's mm. not what a lot of guys yeah, are doing yeah. in his situation that are max guys but uh because I think CJ, I think he is a max guy, and uh, but a lot of guys are not are are waiting until they actually become free agents. But potentially the lockout could come after this season if because both both the players in the league can opt out. Mm-hmm. So I wonder too if maybe they'll work to get an extension done with CJ before he hits free agency. Yeah. I, I, that, that seems like the most logical thing to me. I know that obviously Damien took a little bit of money off the table for himself to redo that. My question is whether or not the Blazers will be able to find – CJ is so uh, in as part of the culture and the organization of the team and the plan of the team that I wonder if – not that he doesn't deserve it, but I wonder if CJ somehow – I don't know. But the Trailblazers' you know, free agency uh, history doesn't make sense for it, but CJ could also save the Blazers a max spot by not technically being a, taking a max, max, max deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, wonder, if, I wonder if that's something that might come up with that same situation. But uh, So maybe it's more guaranteed and, you know, I, I don't know. But I, I feel like they would try to get it done beforehand, and it, it, it certainly seems that there's, um, you know, 
there's something amicable on both sides in terms of it being a long-term thing they want to get done. Yeah, something to watch. Uh, Dane, uh, why don't you tell folks where they can find you and your your stuff? I know you just said you have a uh, a video coming out very soon on the topic of the big men. So why don't, why don't you let people know where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Blaze's Edge. I have a weekly Q&A series going all summer long where I answer viewer questions. That happens on Blaze's Edge usually in the middle of the week. You can go to my YouTube channel, which is called The Rewind. Uh, it is forward slash A Young Sabonis. I'm sure Blaze's fans know how to uh, spell that. That's YouTube.com slash A Young Sabonis. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook. Both of those are Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash Dane Carbaugh. My last name is spelled weird. It's C-A-R-B as in boy, A-U-G-H. You can find all of the things that I just yell about student loans and basketball on there. So Yeah, shout out to student loans. They're the uh, unofficial sponsor of this podcast. Uh <laughs> um, but yeah thanks for joining me dan it, it was fun talking hooves talking to blazers with you i'm your host eric garcia gunderson this has been another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network you can subscribe to us on audio boom itunes get the rss feed you can send questions to at locked on blazers or locked on blazers one word at gmail.com hit me up on twitter at eric underscore gunderson thanks for coming on dane 